Welcome to the Why Invest podcast with me, Doug Barnett, Portfolio Manager at Waverton. Now, this is a slightly different podcast this week, as this is the last episode I will be recording. Now, it's been an absolute pleasure hosting the Why Invest podcast for the last three years. We've recorded over 80 episodes with guests from across the world and have attracted tens of thousands of listeners. Now, the podcast has never really been about me. It's been about the brilliant guests we've interviewed. And we started back in 2020. Don't think I was the only person in the world who started a podcast in that year. But we started in 2020 with our head of equities, Jem Fisher, discussing disruptive technologies and ESG and how these things feed into our investment process here at Waverton. We then moved on to interview investment managers at the top of their game, like Max Ward from Outsize Ventures, a VC fund investing in deep tech and deep science, William DeGale from Blue Box Asset Management, who shared with us his philosophy on how technology is no longer an industry vertical, it is now an economic horizontal. We've had entrepreneurs like Charlie Jardine, the founder of EO Charging, which is one of the UK's fastest growing electric vehicle charging companies. He's a legend and he started his business from a cow shed at home. Others include Freddie Ford, founder of Patch, co-working space in London, Thomasina Myers, the founder of Oaxaca, and Will Butler-Adams, the CEO of Brompton Bicycles, to name but a few. We've also had some massive heavyweights. Simon Rogerson from Octopus Group, Peter Roberts, the founder of Pure Gym, both first-class guests, superb stories, and we're both very generous with our time. Now, recently, we've introduced a third category of thought leaders, and these have been people like Rory Sutherland, the vice chair of Ogilvy, Claire Boulding, the broadcaster, and Rory Stewart, who I gather also does a podcast. Thank you to all of them. All these episodes are up on the Waverton website, so do have a listen to the back catalogue. I still get messages from listeners who are discovering these, and so thank you to those. And finally, an enormous thank you goes out to the marketing team at Waverton, in particular, our award-winning Laura Hammond, our producer, and Dougie, the podcast editor. So thank you. But the good news is that when I leave, there is a gang of willing colleagues who have nominated themselves to drive the podcast forward. Four of them join me here today. So please welcome to our first new podcast host, Gary Lineker. Gary. I'm joking. Please welcome our first new podcast host, Alexandra Bakanihilas. Alexandra, welcome to the podcast. Thanks very much indeed. Sorry to disappoint you by not being a former professional footballer. Yeah, <laughs> Alexandra, when did you join Waverton and what is your area of focus at the moment? I have now just passed my 10-year anniversary at Waverton which sounds like a long time, but amongst the private client team in which I work, I'm still relatively the new girl. I focus on looking after private clients, so running portfolios for families, trusts and charities. And I have a particular area of specialism in looking after international clients who have some more complicated requirements from a tax perspective. So that's my sort of niche. And as you look forward, what are you wanting to get from the podcast and what are the kind of guests that you are hoping to target? I think what is going to be really interesting for me as one of the podcast hosts at Waverton is to try to bring things to life for our clients. 
you know, I spend my day speaking to clients, explaining about what we're doing in portfolios, about our investment process and about ideas. And I think trying to bring that to life for clients, often in a way that is easier to understand than some of the financial jargon literature that they are bombarded with by the media. I think trying to break things down in a way that's really clear and easy to understand for perhaps some of our younger and less experienced investors is something I'd really like to do. I'm sure some of our listeners are probably thinking, hang on a sec, I recognize Alexandra's voice because I don't think this is the only podcast that you do. Is that right? That's correct, Doug. I definitely jumped on the uh, post-COVID podcast bandwagon. A friend of mine and I set up a podcast last year, which interviews women who have returned to work from maternity leave, aiming to share experiences and support other women going back to work. Having come back twice from a break from work, I think it's really important for us to share experiences and support each other. So do check out the Women Who Work podcast if that's relevant to you. Plug, 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 plug. Shameless plug, I'm afraid. <laughs> Quite right, Alexander. Thank you. Now, our next podcast host has actually been on the podcast before, and I think he's probably going to tell me when. I hope he's going to tell me when. But please welcome to the podcast, James Carter. James, welcome. Thank you very much. The last time I was on was at the end of October 2020, would you believe? And James, you work in our bond team. We were talking about bonds back then. I wonder if you can give us an update. Has anything been going on in the bond market since then? I think it's been a quiet period, Doug. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, when we spoke, the 10-year gilt was at 0.2% in yield terms, which seems like a very long time ago. It's now at 4.5% as a result of the soaring inflation we've seen. And for the gilt index, that means it's down over 30% since its highs. I think in the US Treasury market, that's actually the worst sell-off we've seen in the last 250 years. So a lot to talk about and a lot to catch up listeners on. And I'm sure our listeners could probably go back and hear you predict that exact event back in 2020. I wonder, James, if you can outline, you know, what are you looking to get from the podcast? And are there any guests that you're hoping to target? Yes. So like you, I'm a portfolio manager at Waverton, but my specialism is within fixed income. I am the co-fund manager of the Waverton Sterling Bond Fund and the Global Strategic Bond Fund. And my colleagues would probably say, amongst a lot of criticism, is that I have a knack of making a very boring subject somewhat digestible and, dare I say, interesting. You sort of have to pick up that skill as a bond fund manager because it hasn't for a very long time been a sexy asset class, like I would say it is today. So what I'm very interested to talk about is how fixed income has returned to being an attractive asset class. For a long time, investors were underweight fixed income or indeed probably just ignoring the asset class altogether. So I would love to speak about how the asset class is back in vogue and also some other what I would call boring subjects and trying to make them a bit more exciting. Things like the weeds of government finances. Are we going into a sovereign debt spiral with the US debt levels reaching $33 trillion? It's a number that's very difficult to put into context. How do we break that cycle? Is it through austerity? Shout out George Osborne. Or is it yield curve control with a shout out to Japan? And other subjects that are keeping me interested and up at night are the US elections that are coming up. We'd love to do a podcast on whether Trump's going to be leading the country from a jail cell. I hope that jail cell has good internet connection. Is Biden's health up to the challenge? Are there any other good candidates? Because it doesn't seem like they're the most worthy two people in the mighty United States to lead that country. 
And then finally, also in the UK and the economic and political outlook there, are we going into a recession? What does Starmanomics look like? Or should we be saying Securonomics, as Rachel Reeves, the shadow chancellor, put it in her recent Labour Party conference speech? So there's lots to get our teeth into. Well, I look forward to listening and making Bonds cool again, James. Thank you. Now, our next guest, I would like to re-welcome Luke Hyde-Smith back to the podcast. Luke has actually been on the podcast twice, once in his capacity as the manager of our Real Assets Fund, but also to discuss private markets investments. I wonder, Luke, if you could, first of all, give me the elevator pitch for Real Assets at this juncture, and then maybe we can talk about private markets as well. Yeah, thanks, Doug. And thank you very much for allowing us all to take on this esteemed responsibility of the Why Invest podcast. I think you've done a phenomenal job with it. Congratulations. You've had some great guests. I've enjoyed working with you in trying to find and get some great individuals who we know through the Waverton Network onto the podcast. And we very much look forward to continuing what has been a successful venture. You're right. It was back in, I think, 2019 that you kindly first had me on and we discussed the world of real assets, which we're very much uh, still involved with. Kind of polar opposite to James and the experience of the fixed income world and related, there has been a pretty savage derating of many of the listed real assets across infrastructure, renewables, real estate in the UK over the last 12 to 18 months, which has been a pretty chastening experience for us as investors and our clients. We do think that the derating and share price movement has been excessive. We think that presents some very, very compelling opportunities from here. And we are enthused about actually really what at the heart of it real assets can deliver, which is limited economic sensitivity often. You've got some long-dated index-linked cash flows. That often comes through as an attractive yield. There is no doubt that the rise in yields and the rise in discount rates has put some pressure on valuations. And the uncertainty that has caused is unsettled investors. So as we look out today, the investment company discount trades at its sort of widest discount at an aggregate level since the GFC. And there is pressure on the UK equity market as a source of long-term investor capital. I think I was speaking to someone yesterday who was speaking and informing us that we've had 27 straight months of outflows from the UK mid and small cap space. You know, this is pretty extreme. And irrespective of the fundamentals of many companies in that space, which REITs and investment companies inhabit, you've had share price weakness. So definitely challenges, but with that come opportunities. And we hope to be able to try and bring to light for our listeners some of those opportunities, speaking to some of the practitioners in the space and discussing over time how that space evolves. Thank you. Now, our next host is Tom Savile. Tom, what are you most interested in getting out of the podcast? Well, Doug, it's funny that you say the art of podcasting is listening to people because my wife would tell you that I lack listening skills and emotional intelligence. So I think if I can work on that, that will be my goal for the podcast. I'm really interested in communicating and getting across to clients and listeners. I think it's something that was great about your podcast is a lot of financial press and a lot of news is always very negative. But actually, you interviewed a lot of interesting people solving interesting problems. I think really that's what 
investment is about. And really, Tom, that's what we're trying to do in our portfolios as well, isn't it? Trying to find companies where management teams are making great decisions, taking shareholders into account, looking for businesses that have great competitive advantages that can withstand the kind of economic turmoil that we are potentially going into. And the great news is that our bottom-up analytical team continue to find those great ideas in companies that we think are attractively valued. I think one of the great things about our investment process is we're not necessarily just looking at those big companies that are making the headline news, you know, the Magnificent Seven, as they've been coined. Our teams are looking internationally at companies on a bottom-up basis, finding some really exciting ideas. So I think it's going to be great to get on some of our analytical team onto the podcast and get some more of their insights. You know, Japan is an example that brings to mind at the moment where our head of Japanese research is finding really exciting and attractively valued investment ideas. I would just add to that one of the biggest challenges that we have faced and I think investors have faced this year has been marrying up the quite clear negative news flow from the macroeconomic side with really quite an optimistic, positive environment and view from many of the companies and management teams that we speak to. And I think that dispersion or that difference is as great as ever. Markets are always challenging. They are always moving. But what we try and do and what we're going to bring to light on this podcast is some of the opportunities we find from a bottom up, but also speak to some of the strategists, top down thinkers. You know, why are they cautious on the outlook? What is going to be the outcome of the interest rate rises? What is the impact on companies? You know, is it positive? Is it negative? So there's a range of different views and opinions that we aim to bring to life, both from our internal team, but also, we hope, from a range of external guests. And I wonder, I'm going to sort of throw out this question to everyone. You can put your hand up or button, depending on um, your character type. I wonder if anyone has any near-term predictions for the investment landscape of 2024. You know, what do you think is going to blindside us as we talk in 2023? I've got two, James Carter. I am a strong believer that the Federal Reserve and the Bank of England and the European Central Bank are going to keep interest rates higher for longer. And the implications of that are not quite financial Armageddon, but I think it's going to be a very difficult economic environment in 2024. Thankfully for me, that would be a very good outlook for the fixed income markets as investors turn risk off and seek the sanctuary and security of this sexy asset class. But for risk assets, that could be a more challenging environment and an environment where an active approach to investing should lead to strong outperformance. Well, that's lucky because that's all we do. Uh, Luke? As you know, Doug, we uh, host our annual forum. And I think it was not this year, but the year before you were hosting the panel on that. And you asked at the end of that, you know, your most contentious predictions for, well, it was 2023. And obviously now we just had our forum and asking for our most contentious predictions for 2024. Twelve months ago, I suggested the contentious prediction was that coal may become a ESG favorite in terms of an investment. And I don't think we've quite got there. But I do think one of the things that we would like to discuss on our podcast and bring to life, which has certainly become much more mainstream, is that at its very heart, the energy transition is very 
natural resource intensive. And I think that has some quite profound implications for both us as individuals in society, but also how we invest. In terms of predictions for next year, which I think are non-contentious, I think the inflation dynamic discussion is all consuming. I think it's entirely plausible that in 12 months time, we may be talking about more of a deflationary, disinflationary environment than an inflationary environment, which I think would probably surprise many investors in the market currently. Go on, Tom. Doug, a mentor once taught me that the secret of predicting stock market returns. He pulled down a chart of the S&P and predicted very accurately that in a year's time, the line would be further along the x-axis. <laughs> <laughs> so you're not predicting uh, Armageddon, nuclear Armageddon. I think that's been some of the best advice that I've had in my career is to try and approach predictions of the future with humility and be prepared for a variety of different outcomes. Hopefully that we get to discuss on the show. And I think you can see that reflected in our portfolios, Tom, can't you? You know, talking about the range of possible outcomes and from a, an equity perspective, trying to neutralize some of that risk by giving ourselves exposure across sort of style basis from some exposure to growth companies, but also exposure to value, sort of neutralize some of that uncertainty. There was another good quote that I read the other day that I can guarantee there will be a recession, but no idea when that will be in terms of time frame. So I think that's quite apt for now. And also Tom's point, what we do know about forecasts is that they are most likely to be incorrect. Well, it certainly feels like that. I thought that was the most wonderful quote from, it must have been 18 months ago, when uh, I think it was JP Morgan came out and said, the risk of nuclear Armageddon has increased marginally. Stay invested in equities. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, there is an awful lot to talk about. I am delighted to be able to hand over the reins, plural, to all four of you and thoroughly look forward to listening to the podcasts as we go forward into the future. So thank you, James. Thank you, Alexandra. Thank you, Luke. And thank you, Tom. Thank you for joining me. The information provided during this podcast does not constitute investment advice and should not be relied on as such. It should not be considered a solicitation to buy or an offer to sell a security.